Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece universe front to back. I, as always, am the super rookie and keeper of the worthless gems, Jacob, to my co-host and super veteran, the Sword of Justin. Hey, guys, welcome back. Today, we are discussing the fifth One Piece movie. I'm pretty sure it's five. The Curse of the Sacred mm-hmm. Sword, or uh, the Cursed Holy Sword, I believe, as it was released in the UK. Mm-hmm. It could be the Cursed Sword, the Cursed Holy Sword, the Curse of the Sacred Sword, the Cursed Sacred Sword. It doesn't matter. What the point is, it's about a sword. You get it. And it's the Zoro movie. And I think the One Piece fandom kind of let us down here a little bit, Justin, because... Okay, I'm just going to jump right in here, right off the yeah. back, so you can set the tone. This movie sucks. <laughs> really <you>. bad. <laughs> Thank this you. This is the I... worst one by far. I by don't far. understand why the popular one to hate on is Chopper's Kingdom. I mean, you, you heard what we said about it, right? I'm not going to yeah. rehash it. Yeah. This one is worse by, by quite far. a large margin. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't get why people aren't hating on this one harder. Probably because they saw Zoro on the front cover, Zoro beats the final villain, and they thought, I got my show in action, that's it. But I'm just like, you guys were awake until then because the pacing was horrible, it was padded out. Hell, your favorite character, Zoro, or your second favorite, sorry, for you, for, for you Justin, completely out of character. Completely out of character I'd in say this it, movie. I'd say it's like maybe my third favorite out of like the whole thing, but that's irrelevant. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry, I thought I was your second favorite. But um, yeah, just I was so surprised when I saw the cover for this movie and even when you watch it you, you have the, some of the very cool aesthetics right which we'll get into like the production and visuals here but yeah we'll open up this movie fucking sucks um the production and visuals you have a, some interesting aesthetics like during the the climax of the movie which is what you know I sent you pictures when I watched the first time where it was like dude this fucking looks like Bloodborne dude <laughs> just, you got the blood skies the blood moon you got this literally a green glowing sword that looks like the holy moonlight sword wielded by a guy who has his main arm broken so he's using his offhand like Artorias from Dark Souls looks like Sephiroth and I'm just like you're kind of checking all these nerdy boxes of mine that makes that should make me love this but at the end of the day, I'm kind of insulted because <laughs> I'm just like, how dare you make this like this? Um, this is also the second movie where the ru- the runtime is 90 minutes, right? Like the last one, Dead Adventure. This but one it didn't sh- help this one. No, it was horrible. It should have been 55. It felt like 155 minutes because of all this padding and pacing issues. Yeah, the whole a quick time little through. anecdote that I just told Jacob. I fell asleep almost watching mm-hmm. this movie the first time. Yep. I started it pretty late at night, right? So I was already like kind of tired, but I was like, oh, it's a One Piece movie. I'm ready. And you know, obviously I was excited in the beginning, but holy shit, the middle killed me. So I had to stop and restart the next day. That dreaded middle portion of the movie. Jesus Christ. And for me, I did watch it through one sitting, but this was the movie where I most frequently was checking the time on the movie and i'm just going oh my god Dude, i'm not even halfway oh my god me too <laughs> i was constantly like how much longer is left in this fucking movie like and you think there's a portion too where it's like oh this is the climax, it's not right? enjoyable like I'm, i mean that if you guys have not seen this it's actually unenjoyable which is amazing yeah. for one piece content exactly so again this is why we were very uh let down by the fandom when we heard that Chopper's Kingdom was the bad one. And I'm just pointing at this movie now going, no, this is the bad one. Because I've heard this movie was like controversial, but I thought it was like 50-50, right? Like kind of good. People thought and kind of bad, but I can't, no. I can't see people thinking this is good. I, I cannot either. Um, I couldn't confirm this online either, but I think this was also their first movie they did digitally. Whereas the other four movies were hand-drawn. Like, at least the color palette was a lot brighter this time around, so that's why I thought digitally. If that's the case, then maybe that's also why the animation looks very stiff and slow. Did you notice that, too? Like, in the action sequences, yeah. they're very weird. So I thought maybe the, uh, the people at Toei were just figuring out this new animation style, or, like, you know, the, the hardware, I guess you could say, to yeah, figure it out better. Tr- I don't know, but I did notice that it doesn't even look as good as, like some of the previous movies, like Luffy's fight, especially with, uh, what's-his-face saga at the end. Uh-huh. It was, it was like, pretty good choreography, and it was, like, pretty smooth, but it's just, it's it was a little... Consistent. Yeah, it's just not quite as clean as the, the other mm-hmm. animation, and you can see that. Yeah, so what I had here were, like, the animation just didn't seem right, because you have, like, interesting choreography, I guess interesting in quotes here, because at times it'll be a, a neat like side by side shot where it's like widescreen and you can see clearly what's going on. 
like when Saga's like swinging a sword, he's missing, it's hitting the ground and all the dust is flying. Like, okay, that's pretty cool. But then it cuts to like a first person shot of like Luffy like punching the camera, but it's so slow and stiff. And I'm like, it's like, what is the deal with this? So I felt like there were also just a lot of issues with editing, choreography, where speed was inconsistent. I think I know the exact scene you're talking about because it legitimately (laughs) felt like time was being dilated, right? Mm -hmm. Like in that fight. And you're like, and then it suddenly kind of snaps back to real time. And you're like, wait, what what just happened? What's Mm -hmm. going on? There, There was also quite a bit of few editing inconsistencies. Where there's a, I think the first time Saga and Luffy fight, there's a part where he's doing like Gum Gum Spear, you know, where he does his feet from the air, but he misses. But even before he hits the ground, Saga is already off to the side. So you, it's almost like Luffy just missed by a fucking mile and was giving him a free shot rather than Saga just dodging and retaliating. So again, you have like these editing inconsistencies where it just did not sell the action. And the reason why also why I wanted to bring up that animation difference, too, was because when blows were landed in this movie, like projectiles, like, you know, this was energy ball projectiles, I was never sold that it hurt because it just looked like a regular projectile, like in a Street Fighter game, but even weaker. But in the movie, like when someone gets hit, they go, they fly or they go, like they fly right everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, like, what exactly? I know we're jumping around here, but like, yeah, it's fine. I assumed those green energy blasts that he was blasting at Luffy were like slicing of some sort, but they were hitting Luffy like head on and he was just kind of throwing them away. So I don't know what the fuck was supposed to be going on in that fight. Yeah. Not to mention like at the end when he goes into his final form and he starts becoming like a Jedi user with force powers now. And you think those are also cuts because swords, but they're just pushes, like you said. And Luffy's just pushed back. He doesn't have any cuts or anything. He's just kind of dirtied up a bit. So that's inconsistent. The Like I said, the impacts just weren't uh, convincing whatsoever. And uh, going back to the cinematography a bit, oh, there's just not a lot of uh, consistency in the sense of like, you have the main characters fighting with Saga, right? Luffy, Zoro, Luffy, Zoro. But then there's, like, the officer fights that aren't even, like, I don't even know if we should even bring them up in terms of, like, how were they? Because they were all less than 30 seconds. Like, they were a joke. (laughs) They were hardly officers, really. Exactly. Like, they're in the movie, and they're there, like, they're the the shonen bad guys. But when they're there for that finale of, like, defending the towers or whatnot, they're just, they're, like, I think one of them doesn't even attack. I think it was a... So it was like, Luking? I think it was like 30 <laughs> seconds and it was for all the fights, to be clear. It was, yeah. It was basically it was all... a cut. It was a cut show, right? Because literally all we saw Nami do was like Porter Climb attacked and punch someone, right? Not even that. It was the, when it was Nami and, well, I know we're jumping around, sorry. Uh, Nami and Chopper were going to their tower and then it was just Marines. All Nami did was hold out the orb because they were scared of it. And then she just bitch slapped them once with the staff and that was it. Then the then Toma came around, and then that's what happened when you came around, where she tried to use her climb attack for the first time in movie history. She tried to use her climb attack, and it was just the used incorrectly with a boxing glove, and then Chopper just punched the guy in the chest, and that was it. It was it, like, uh, in case you haven't told, there's a lot of this this movie that we just do not like. I'm trying to stick to the production part of it and try to give you audio only listeners who haven't seen the movie like why it's bad, but. There's just priorities that this movie does, and it just failed spectacularly on, like, what they should focus more on. Um, The overall designs of the characters also were kind of bland. Like, Saga. Yeah, no drip. Nami had a new outfit, and I think Robin had, like, a different shirt. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just those two for the the main Straw Hats. They were okay. They weren't, they didn't stand out too much, but they were okay. Um... But I'm thinking, like, the movie characters. Like, you just had your default big, big burly dude, the Boo King, I think his name was. And he had, like, I think noble hair. Like, it was so weird. He had, like, stitched face down the middle to make it look intimidating, but he looks kind of weird instead. Yeah. Um. Then you had Bismarck, who looked like he had, like, cell skin, because he had, like, he talked about having, like, the steel armor, but it looks like bug plating almost. Like, the same muscle features that Piccolo has or Cell in Dragon Ball Z. And that didn't do shit. Um, Saga looked like a discount Sephiroth, where he had shorter hair, but when he had his second form, he had the grown-out hair. He had the oversized sword. So I'm just like, all right, this is someone's deviant art character in the movie. Got it. The sword looked cool, though. I'll say that. He really does feel like a, like a fan fiction character. 
this entire movie, honestly, like I think I texted you this too, where I'm just like, this movie is a deviant art fan fiction, to yeah. be honest, with a budget. Um, and then the, the character Toma, we mentioned that third officer, he looked like he came out of like an MTV music video. So there's that. <laughs> he yeah. sounded like he was just kind of around as well. Oh yeah, it, yeah, he was definitely around, and he they try to play him up as like the second strongest of the uh, officers. He didn't do anything though. The whole no, he didn't. Movie. <laughs> there's literally a moment where he's like oh you're luffy right the guy who took down uh crocodile yeah can i test your strength and then he unsheathed the sword and again because the production is it lacks impact momentum and speed it just looks like a regular swing but then the movie tells us wow no one's ever dodged my quick draw ability they really needed to to sell that better it, just, no. it really did look exactly like a normal swordsman kind of just swinging like in a normal episode of One Piece. Yeah, and exactly. So he's talking about like, oh, can I test her strength, Luffy? Oh, can I test her strength? How did you dodge my on? powerful unsheathing art? It's like, bro, you just yeah. like pulled your sword out and swung it a couple times. And keep in mind, this is the same guy at the end of the movie that gets his ass kicked by Nami and Chopper. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> he really oversold and himself. That, that pretty there. much says it all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the only, oh, and then you have uh, Maya and what's the elder lady, Isaiah, I think. Um, Maya was honestly just there. I felt like she was supposed to be like a cross between, uh, like an imagination of like, if Vivi with darker hair grew up in Skypia, maybe. I mean, she's basically just there to kind of suck off Saga's nuts, if we're being honest. I mean, yeah, she's there to drive the plot forward with a very under underwhelming uh bromance plot that i really did uh, and, not care about yeah like being being 100 real i think she's there to, to in an attempt to like humanize this guy who we're kind of supposed to care about as like zoro's friend and her but but i really it ba- don't yeah it, it backfires because all it does is objectify her because she has no character but all she does is she's, she's just a, a priest piece. yeah 100 yeah she's a priest she's there to explain the plot and oh by the way this guy was my fiance he was here for a year or i don't think it was even fiance but they said lover or plan does she does she do or say anything that like makes you like her in the whole movie no nothing at all either i think even the animators knew this because she's worse than the kid characters some of them she she is no i think she is actually because at least the kids in their own way were somewhat at least she's not actively annoying like that first kid especially but (laughs) (laughs) so she's at least better than him no she she annoyed me at the end of the movie because there was during the action sequences the camera kept cutting back to her where she's raising her arms again or she's yelling saga raising her arms again raising her arms again saga raising her arms again so that that, that happened a lot was she is that like a mantra thing like what is she i don't know what she's doing here like she's repeating the movements over and over i thought she would maybe just keep her hands up I don't. She no. was continuing, continuously raising them, right? Like multiple times. Yeah. So again, that's the irony because we kind of m- briefly mentioned it uh, before we actually jump into our usual chronological order covering of the movie. Um, that middle portion where it's chest exposition, it's still unclear so exactly. Boring. It's still unclear exactly of like, okay, wait. So is this magic? Or is this like Skypea magic? Where it's like, because again, this is before we officially know of hockey. So I think the movie's trying to do their own version of like the Skypea thing. But at the same time, they have no idea exactly. They, they didn't even, like, ask Oda for notes or, like, so what exactly is it? So we don't, like, you know, ride ourselves into a corner here. But instead of making it, like, mystical and mysterious, it just ended up being so padded yeah. and bland. Is that, like, a, a god? Did they just confirm that there's some kind of deity is what it seems like in this movie? I mean, yeah, because if anything, the sword is the most interesting character because it's, if we're assuming Saga is possessed by the sword, and that's not really Saga, because we see the real him at the end of the movie. Yeah. I think. <laughs> then the sword is the one that's just, like, this pure, cartoonishly evil uh, creature, character, deity? I don't know. Spirit? And, I mean, she's praying to, like, to a god of some sort, right? And that Something, yeah. And works, so... Is she praying to her uh, ancestor? The gods? The princes? I don't know to be honest i actually did watch this movie uh once and i skimmed through it a second time to get through my notes and everything and even then i'm just like god bless your soul oh my god (laughs) i i I read the wiki the second time to correct my (laughs) notes i wasn't i couldn't watch it again i can't do that to myself not even skim oh my god yeah like again i i had to try to get my notes and even then i couldn't get all those plot points um but yeah holy shit so all right, let's jump into the cursed Holy Moonlight Sword. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, movie five. So we start off with 
a very cartoonishly evil uh, opening. Or sorry, not cart- a cartoonishly open where pirates are raiding an island on Osaka Island. Um, no, sorry, no redhead German girls anywhere here. But Osaka Island, and then Saga and Maya. I keep forgetting their names. Holy shit, they're nothing characters. Yeah, um, they're so forgettable. Yeah, and they're running away from the pirates. Just default pirates. They're not even like scary pirates. Like I don't even. I don't know if they're even references to previous pirates. Or I think they're just pirates on the Grand Line. They're attacking. They're pillaging, and they're retreating to a temple. And Saga is already injured, and he's unable to fend them off. But then a tomb opens up because they go to where the Seven Star Sword is, the main item of the movie, the main object. And as soon as he wields it, it heals his. This is so inconsistent. It heals his fresh chest wound that he just got from the pirate, but it doesn't heal his broken arm, which would have made him a lot more interesting in terms of like healing properties. But like, no, it's only fresh wounds. He yeah, it was only that one time. I'm pretty sure as well. In this I think so. The prologue. Yeah, <laughs> and he cuts apart the pirates like graphically. Like you only see their shadowy figures, but he cuts like clean through them. Like it's super powerful. But then he's looking at a sword, and he just like laughs maniacally while. Maya's just like, you know, screaming like a 1950s movie poster. And I'm thinking at first time going, okay, this might be like Thriller Bark, maybe, because I meant like some classic horror vibes, right? Where it's like, okay, maybe some classic horror, some fun little antics along the way, because the poster again made it seem like it was like some edgy shit too. So like, oh, maybe it'd be like Thriller Bark, maybe. That's a hell no. And we cut away from that, right? Because you get the title drop and we see the Straw Hats are docked on this island, I think a year later or something. Nami and Robin with the exposition that, oh, we're looking for the Seven Star Sword. It might be on this island. It might be some good loot, right? Um, very simple, very plain. That's A-okay, right? Just something, a little something to get things going. But the main thing was, while Usopp is doing repairs on the Merry-Go, someone, and Zoro is sleeping, right? He's on the ship, too. Someone throws a small blade at Zoro. He dodges while he's sleeping. But then he sees his name on it. He seems like he recognizes it. Without even saying anything, right? Not even to say, Usopp, I'll be right back. He doesn't even say that. He just leaves, right? Like, ooh, mysterious, right? So you mentioned earlier that the possible traitor plotline is just like, oh, wow. He just leaves. He goes through the town into the mountains and immediately finds whoever threw the blade. And I'm really thinking, how did Zoro find his way? Isn't a big comedic thing about Zoro is that he cannot find his way no matter what? Yeah, usually. <laughs> he's I know he gets it, to the right spot occasionally. Well, he usually brute forces it, but in this movie, it's kind of implied that because that blade was thrown from really far away, and he just happens to perfectly find it. If anything, it should have been him trying to find it. Like again, if he, if we're still assuming he's looking off for on his own without saying anything, then it would have been them finding him. Right? And it's some comedic scene, maybe, where he's like, oh, I was going to find you or whatever, but then, like, no, you're actually going way off. But whatever. My point is, this is, like, one of the smallest issues of the movie, but this also should have been strike one, that maybe the writers don't know Zoro. Something as simple as, like, a comedic little feature of the character, right? That's supposed to be, like, a loving part of Adam at the same time. But that should have been strike one. Strike two is obviously the very obvious bad guys that are just like, who, look, we got the guy with us. <laughs> and he's just, and Zoro is just like, not suspicious at all, or he doesn't care. But, you know, we're giving giving the benefit of the doubt. It's supposed to be at this point, Zoro knows these people will lead him to what he thinks is his childhood friend, Saga, right? So, and that's what we eventually get introduced to. He's led back to the temple, and we get Saga, like, running a dojo type of thing, training these marines, and you're like, okay, so he's a bad guy. Because he's training Marines, and even Zoro's like that, right? It was like, we should be fighting each other, even though we know each other. And then Saga seems to be kind of in pain, but he's also like, oh, can you do me a favor, though? Like, for a long-lost buddy, even though you thought I was dead? Like, no catching up, right? There's hardly any catching up. It's just him clutching his chest going, I need your help. Okay. <laughs> so I'm watching this mm-hmm. going, okay, why are we getting so little information? We're basically being told... This is a childhood friend, kind of like Quina, right? A very, very important character to Zoro's backstory. And yet we're given very little explanation. Zoro's giving hardly any emotions, too. He's just very stoic about the whole thing. And then, he again, he left the Straw Hats without saying a word, which is also just kind of... Yeah, it wouldn't happen. 
no it way. wouldn't happen, right? It wouldn't happen. So while that's going on, the Straw Hats are fleeing from, I think, the same Marines from the last movie. So that was that was consistent. Um, they have a little wacky antics, although I didn't understand how they ran across like a very dry looking stone ramp, but then they managed to fly up. I don't understand the physics of that, but whatever. Again, small minor, <laughs> small inconvenience in this movie <laughs> compared to everything else. I'm just like, okay, whatever. They land on a hippo that's supposed to be funny, I guess. This giant hippo rhino thing that comes back later. That I, a I joke. cannot believe that came back later, if I'm being I, totally honest. I don't even know why. Just I guess it was just as an excuse so that when the merry-go made a rough landing back in the water, it could be like, oh, but it landed on something first before the water. That's why it didn't shatter, I guess. But even then, like, yeah, why would the hippo come back? Um... And then we get this weird, awkward scene where we see Maya in the present day. She's swimming with the gems, and then she's praying to an altar after swimming with them. I don't know why she was swimming with the gems. Was she cleaning them? I or... don't know. <laughs> it was part of the ritual, maybe, to, I don't know, charge them up? I don't know. Unexplained. We, yeah, 30 minutes of exposition. Did not explain this. <laughs> I, like, Was it cleaning them? And she, put, she had them all out there? She was praying? Like, I guess props to the movie for not shooting the scene to make it like full of like fan service, because she's like in, her, like, in a bikini kind of thing. But the camera angles are not, like, suggested or, like, right in her ass or anything. So, I guess props to the cinematographer for doing that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still going, but then why do we have this scene at the same time? So, if it's not for that cheap fan service, so then what is it? Is it exposition about the gems to give us a first glimpse? But then yeah, why is like, she Yeah, like, are you trying swimming? to give us a look into Maya's incredibly deep and complex character somehow? Yeah, because I'm, well, my mind is convoluted and <laughs> complicated. So, I'm confused at this point. But I guess the the only reason I can think of was so that when the Straw Hats sail in and they find her, they have a chance to catch up because she's trying to get back to getting dressed before running, before she leads them back to her village. You know, the thing that she didn't want them to go to and attack. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's the reason so they can catch up. Um, Luffy and Usopp are immediately uh, disconnected from the group, the main group. They get separated because Luffy... You know, he's 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 still being Luffy. At least Luffy's consistent in this movie. Um, he's True. just trying to go yeah, go to her right away, but then he gets lost because he just had a too quick of a slingshot and Usopp grabbed onto him. Um I had to look up this character's name. Um we run into uh what's his name? Lakos. The do you remember Lakos at all? Such a wonderful character too. <laughs> nah, honestly, not really now. <laughs> no. He is the main warrior of the village, right? That made uh, the, Okay, yeah. He didn't do anything. Is he kind of coming back to your memory right now? Because he doesn't have any main features that are recognizable. He has a, I think, a receding no, I, hairline. I couldn't pick, if you had him in a lineup, I would not be able to point him out. <laughs> receding hairline, curling hair. Such deep character design. Um, and I, I only bring him up in a, high, in a spotlight rather than like, oh, he's just that one character. Like in the like Chopper's Kingdom or whatever. Where it's like, oh, I think, he, I think that's the wise parrot, but whatever. I had to know this character's name because he actually ends up being important later on, at least what the movie shows us, because when they're trying to get the gems to the towers, when they're splitting up in the groups, he goes with Sanji. <laughs> so, he really? He does. It wasn't oh Sanji going solo. He's like, he's like Kuroko from, from Kuroko's <laughs> Basketball. He's just invisible, even when he's he, right in front of you, because I, I don't he, remember him. I think he might as well have been, because he just has like this butcher's knife cleaver weapon and a tiny wooden shield. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, and he's dutiful anyway. Uh, <laughs> he and the warriors they take up arms because it's not their first time being attacked. They think the straw hats are attacking, or well, they are pirates, but they're not raiding. They're just trying to find the uh, Zoro and Luffy in this case. Um, conveniently at the same time though, the Marines attack the village before everything gets settled down. Right, what's going on? And we see Zoro also with the Marines. Oh, they attacked because they wanted to destroy the orbs, right? <laughs> Not even destroy the orbs. Is that that's the plan? <laughs> they they wanted to take the orbs and throw them away. <laughs> Do you remember that? Sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we get the orbs back later on. So Zoro is with the Marines, assisting the attack on this village, and we learn, yeah, they're going after the gems, and you know, Maya has them. And the Straw Hats are going, Zoro, what are you doing? 
he doesn't say anything because, you know, it's just too hard to talk and just say, I need to do a favor for a lost friend. Could I get those gems? Like, not even like, that's all you had to do. Just. It's such a bad plot line. Like, the whole Zoro plot line is bad. Yeah, hell, even if you're still going to have, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, Zoro's going to be, like, this possible traitor, I don't know, kind of thing. But you could still throw in, like, these little throwaway lines just to make it a tiny bit better. It's still going to be a shit stain, don't get me wrong. But at least it'll have some seasoning on it, so it's easier to disguise, better disguise it a little bit. It's it's really hard, like, not impossible to do a believable traitor storyline for Zoro, but you could have... Had them come into conflict in a different way if you really wanted to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole so this came to me when I was going through it the second time, where if they approach this whole debacle, this whole conflict with Zoro, this would have been so much better if it was like Usopp with Water Seven, where no, it's truthful and up in the front, but the conflict is the disagreement. It's not like, for example, like Zoro, you're taking these gems from these villagers. With without you know like, like forcefully you know like a pirate, but that's not our way. Usually we would like to try and you know get some actual treasure out of it. But you're the way you're doing it. It's like you're giving it to a marine. You're giving it to someone else. What the hell? Zoro would be like, oh, I'm doing it for a friend. You could have at least done it in that approach, and that way you could have been like, oh, this conflict within the crew will come up again later in Water Seven, which should be like I think one or two arcs after this movie if we're going from a chronological standpoint. But not even that. He's just silent. And again, the action is really stiff here. It's really bad. Zoro's just running, chasing Maya. Because, you know, Zoro's a super powerful person. But when he's doing this chase sequence, he's just the same speed as Maya. Um, Then we get our horrible excuse of a fight with Sanji and Zoro. Where you think this would be a highlight of the movie. It kind of is. In a horrible way. (laughs) Did you know Zoro can beat Sanji in 30 seconds? I know, people. There must have been such a shitstorm when this movie came out. If, unless you're I only regret that I didn't get to witness it in real time. Yeah, just the salt, the fire, the the hatred of like, what the hell? Sanji isn't this weak. Not to mention the final blow of the fight being so undersold and anticlimactic. Like, I know I'm using wrestling terms here, and, underselling and it. And put him in a sling, my dude. It put him in a sling that he got over in less than a day. But right. so the final blow is Sanji, you know, he's doing a kick and Zoro's blocking it with his wrists. And then Zoro does like a little taunt thing where he's like, if you ever hold back, that's going to be your last move or something. But all he does after he's blocked the kick is that he straightens his hands and then Sanji just flies, does a couple backflips and then lands and that's the fight. Like, it's, you, again, you completely yeah. undersold it. You would think of Zoro after just telling Sanji, don't hold back or don't hesitate would actually use his swords and cut him or, you know, knock him out with the dull end of his swords or something with the swords. No, it's just his, it's his arms. It's his arms, right? Just his wrists. And Sanji fell back and then he was, he was well, injured. I think his... he landed on his arm is what must have happened when, yeah. when he fell. Yeah. And obviously, this could have been way too early in the process, so we don't know this yet, but it's even worse in hindsight where it's like, this is super soldier, Germa, super soldier Sanji getting hurt really bad from falling a few feet and getting a boo-boo on his arm. Doesn't really look good in the hindsight. That's Again, true. this is before they get to that part in Whole Cake Island, but still, it's just like, even at this point, though, we knew Sanji and Zoro were very durable, so it's so fucking weird to see Sanji just eat the dust so early in this. Um, but yeah, so instead of destroying the orbs, you would think, right? Because we learn how important they are later against the Seven Star Sword. Zoro is told to take the orbs, right? And then Saga confirms later on that, yeah, it had to be you to to take it because it's part of this ritual. And even he, even Zoro's asking this, right? Like, why did it have to be me? You could have done, gotten anyone else to do this. But then he, all Saga just says, oh, it had to be you. But that's inconsistent because what we do know for sure is, at least with the sword directly, it needs the blood of a strong fighter. Right, to gain a little bit of extra juice, a little bit of extra power. But it didn't have to do anything with that same person touching the orbs in any way. Or they didn't say anything about that. Nope. They said nothing about that. Nope. That's why I'm keeper of the worthless gems, because holy shit, these things are fucking useless right and, now. Okay, explain to me, remind me, I guess I should say, what are these orbs supposed to do? I mean, it's a good timing, because we actually get to this part in the movie, too. Yeah. So, 
in the start of this 30 fucking minute exposition scene, only separated by a few sequences of Luffy and Usopp like running through the Indiana Jones tunnels with traps. That was actually kind of funny. That's the best part of this movie, and I mean it that. is. Luffy and Usopp like in the tunnels just dicking around. Man, that part is fun. Yeah, especially when Luffy is like having fun running and Usopp's like, can't you just destroy that boulder? And Luffy's like, fine. Basically <laughs> the part that's like completely removed from the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is like scattered in that exposition 30 minute plot dump. So it's still stained at the same time. So the orbs. We learn about the legend of the three princes of Asuka Island. Where apparently it was, it's similar to like Helen of Troy, where they all had a thing for this one lady, right? But they all wanted to impress her. They all wanted to like use this holy sword to, you know, impress her with like, you know, honor and war and shit, you know, old school stuff. But the conflict with all three, kind of like, it's kind of like a butchered, not butchered, well, kind of actually, a butchered version of the romance of the three kingdoms a little bit. And, I guess that's the inspiration because the sword I know is like a reference to uh, Journey of to the West, I think. Another classic Chinese folktale. Anyway, um, the orbs were supposed to be the the gifts from the prince to, I guess, the god or the gods. Because the priestess, the lady, was so distraught by the violence the princess brought that she killed herself. She ended herself, unfortunately. So the princess felt guilty. They, I guess, put their souls into these orbs. That's supposed to serve as a shield against the very sword that they all work together to make it, you know, bloodthirsty and powerful. Because it thrives on, you know, souls. Edgy. Angsty. And the orbs were supposed to be a defense because every 100 years, the sword will get just enough power from the moon. And the orbs were supposed to be there to form, like, this barrier to prevent even a wielder of the sword from getting enough power to, I guess, go full power and start massacring people, the world. Because the, the way that the story was said is that it's a, uh, eternal darkness. It's very vague about that. But basically, it's to take over the world, right? Put the world in eternal darkness. Super cliche plotline where it's like, oh, this gets out. It's the end of all mankind as we know it. Convenient that it's in the paradise end of the Grand Line and no one knows about this island. Um, even though there's a marine base here. But, you know, they're they're under corruption, too, after this last year. So, sure. Um, I don't know why he couldn't just destroy the orbs, though. <laughs> I don't either. Because when Zoro gets the orbs for Saga, Saga tells Zoro to throw them down this well. Not even to keep them, like, in his dojo, right? Yeah, not, like, keep them safe, protect them, just throw yeah. them in the trash. Like, put them under, like, all of your old, like, tax reforms so that no one ever finds them ever again. No, it's... Throw him down this well, and let nature take care of it, and now my plan's going to succeed. And Zoro never asks what this plan is. He's just like, oh, my vision of being the sword of justice will come to fruition. Zoro doesn't ask about this. Even later, when Toma is asking Zoro, do you actually know what, what he means by sword of justice? And Zoro just brushes off, like, I'll ask him later if I feel like it. And I'm just like... So you wounded your own straw hat, you're leaving them in the dark, they think you're betraying them, you're acting like an idiot right now. Doesn't even know what he's doing. And he doesn't even know what he's doing. It's just, the, the movie is telling us, oh, he's doing it because he's catching up with a lost friend, he's doing a lost favor. But then why isn't he talking with his friend? Why isn't he catching up? Again, runtime, if it was 55 minutes. You could cut out that whole temple it's side just plot shit. really bad. And just focus on Zoro catching up with this movie OC. I don't care if it's a DeviantArt fanfiction, but at least you could have made it more personal and maybe like expand on Zoro as, you know, a person who grew up in this dojo that we're learning a bit more about in the current manga. And, and that way maybe even throw in some Queen of references in there, right? Maybe get like more deeper into Zoro's backstory because that's definitely something that needs work. Even in the right, core like, manga. It's just the way they chose to do this conflict was so bad. Yeah. He could, he could have told Usopp, like, hey, like, I gotta go, bro. I'll be back, right? Even that alone would have been better. And mm. when he does meet up with Saga, he can, you know, like, maybe he owes him a deal or something, right? Maybe he promised. And he's like, oh, like, I really need you to get those orbs for me, Bo, because they're gonna kill me. Blah, 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 blah. Anything, right? Or not even that. Yeah, like, Zoro could actually go, no, my friend is dying. I saw him clenched his chest. I don't know what these orbs do, but he's but acting like these are... 
Yeah, Sorry, exactly. But I gotta take him. You know, even the sons, they're like, I, I'm not gonna let you take him. And Zoro's like, I gotta take yeah. him. Yeah, and exactly. That's why it could have been more like a Water Seven thing, where it's like, I'm not lying to you. I'm being upfront about you. I know you this... tend to reference Avatar a lot. What's that mm-hmm. episode where Two Kingdoms, right? When they're when they like the main characters end up on separate sides, but it's not like they're actually like, oh, they betrayed each other. It's just they're with two different groups that are having an opposition. Mm-hmm. That that episode is better than this movie. In the way they did that conflict, <laughs> I think you're. I think you're talking about the the cave of two lovers. I think when you heard that backstory, it's, I think? it's around that time. But no, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, just again, the way the movie does it, it's cliche, tropey, and it doesn't sell it whatsoever. Again, I'm the person who likes filler movies, right? That's why we're doing this because I was curious and wanted to check them out. You do, you did too. And this is an example of like this is not going well because. For like the biggest sin right now is Zoro is completely misunderstood and out of character from the writer's standpoint. Like they think, oh, Zoro's cool because he's stoic and quiet and he's a swordsman. That's why people love him. Right. It's like no, people love him, especially because this if this is like two arcs before uh, Water Seven. Water Seven really highlighted his character if you were unsure before that, right? Or even uh, Davy Fightback, where how dedicated he was to get Chopper back on the team. He is completely loyal. He keeps everyone together like a big brother. He's also very sharp and observant because he is the only one of the group to suspect Robin, you know, pre-Water 7, of her antics, right? Her ulterior motives. So you think he's a stoic, sword fighter, big brute guy, but no, he's actually incredibly intelligent and he keeps the family together. This movie thinks he's just a muscle man, that's it. Yeah, like a mis- the mysterious swordsman trope. Yeah, and it's not even the good ones. Again, it's like so you're you're lowering Zoro down to a shonen villain where he's just like the the big dumb one. That's kind of Zoro in this movie, unfortunately. Um. So yeah, that whole orb backstory, also the way it was conveyed, was also very bland. Because again, that was thirty minutes of Robin starting it off because she can read some of the ruins. Then the elder Isaiah. Um, finishing the exposition, then we get the uh, more exposition with Zoro remembering a flashback of him with Saga and how and why he thought Saga um was dead. There was a nice little tidbit, I will admit, where Zoro couldn't save Saga because he wasn't able to cut the chains, which he can do now, right? Because he was too weak, right? So that was a nice little consistent tidbit there. So I guess bronze paper star for trying. And uh, the way it was just so was done was so dull because there was also a scene within the movie where Zoro touches that seven star sword, right? And he gets the glimpses of that very same illustration of the three kingdoms, sorry, the three princes, right? Exactly. But fast forwarded, including a flashback to the beginning of the movie. And I'm thinking, so then why did we need that flashback at the very beginning of the movie? (laughs) Why did we need Robin and Isaiah telling us the story if you literally had a tool in universe and in the movie where Zoro can understand swords? All he could have done was touch the sword and we could have gotten a great illustration of the story, the events that led to Saga being here, and the corruption, and then he goes, oh shit, I've been duped. So if by any chance younger viewers of the movie aren't catching on to the fact that Saga might be a bad guy, who knows? Maybe. At least you would have been there. Maybe a little bit. And then maybe the confirmation being here. But the movie also does nothing to hide the fact that these are bad guys and Zoro is just too stupid to pick up on it. Because, again, Boo King, God, what a weird name, is just like, you're one of us now. (laughs) (laughs) Zoro, come on, dude. (laughs) What is Uh, going on, man? This movie, man. Oh, man. It's just, oh. Like, even if that middle part was completely surgically cut out from this movie, it doesn't add to the exposition of, like, why are we doing this shit? And not to mention, too, um, whenever the Straw Hats are helping the locals of an island, and they made this very, very clear on Fishman Island, remember? Where it's like, we don't do these things because we're kind. We do these things for a reward, right? Luffy's words were, um, if I get like a whole barrel of grog i'm not gonna share it with the people i'm gonna keep it for myself or something like that right and (laughs) that's what jimbe says then we'll give you a feast if you help us done 
So it's like, they, they, they are good people, but you have to do a little bit on your end if you're one of the locals. Just, like, offer them food, right? Which they do get at the end of the movie, granted. But there's never an establishment of that, right? Where, why are the Straw Hats helping these villagers, like, do this mystical, like, religious ceremony with the orbs that end up not working? Um, yeah, okay, well, let's talk about that real quick. I asked mm-hmm. you to clarify earlier. I didn't really forget. These orbs had one fucking job. One job. <laughs> they are created. I'm pretty sure I, the implication I got was that the priests literally sacrificed their lives, the princes, um, to create these orbs. Mm-hmm. Their, their one job the being to seal the power <laughs> of the sword. Yeah, so that if it powers up, the barrier is there so that the sword is disconnected from the moon, so that the wielder, I guess, or the sword itself can't go into like its final form and be super strong and do the eternal darkness thing. And how did that? How did that work out when those three orbs were set up on the pedestal not as planned (laughs) not as planned did they explain why no No. (laughs) why did the orbs suddenly fail why did they stop working yeah so we we cut forward ahead but honestly we're not missing much where luffy and usopp they reunite with the straw hats they conveniently find the orbs because again they weren't destroyed or kept in the dojo right luffy found them underground because yeah they found them underground because the mass threw them into a well (laughs) Well, Zoro did, because of Sokka. Right, <laughs> right. of course. He can't of touch course. him. Yeah, yeah, so that part, yeah. So, oh, there's also... Never mind, we were touched about it earlier in the production part. Um, Yeah, so Luffy and Usopp get there, and so they have a new plan. Oh, there was also a useless fucking plan B they introduced in this movie that's never brought up again. It's, oh, yeah, it, about her these, sacrificing herself? Yeah, if the orbs don't work, which, by the way... They totally don't. happened. Yeah. Well, Maya? no, it's because they didn't have the orbs at the time. I don't even think the orbs failing was like brought up as a possibility. Because why would they, Jacob? Why would the orbs fail? Yeah. Because why would everyone kidnap and sorry, steal and destroy them to you know be super powerful? <laughs> so they inter- they so they reveal that part of the story where because Maya is a descendant of the priest from this prophecy, the story she can repeat the same actions and they can almost like repeat a new set of orbs kind of thing, I guess maybe, or at least be powerful enough to stop that 100 years. Cause again, it's a cycle. It's every hundred years. The sword's powerful enough to try and find a, a host and conquer the world, I guess with its amazingly powerful abilities that no one will ever two shot later in the movie. So that's brought up, but then Luffy reveals, Oh, I have the gems and that plot is never brought up again. Even when at the end of the movie, when they bring them to the towers and they're doing their job temporarily, but then they don't work because Maya can't lift her arms high enough to all the time because Sokka didn't they is like break? Trying to... Didn't they all literally break? The orbs literally shattered. And that's right. why, just because she wasn't praying correctly. No, she was she was praying, but the, when she wasn't praying the full time, that's when the barrier went down, and that's why Saga got into like a second form and shit. But when the barrier came up, he got weak enough for Luffy to beat him in a second form. But it didn't matter because the movie is like, fuck it, we need a better climax than this. Now he's in his final form where his the, the hair that he had, and um, so the second form, his hair got longer and his body got bigger, right? Okay, so it's like freeze the second form, you know, sure. bigger, whatever. And then his third form, the hair goes back to normal. He goes back to normal size. Um, for one scene, he has no pupils. The next scene, he does. And then he doesn't again. Again, editing. It was yeah. kind of glossed yeah. over. And then, even though the orbs are still doing their job, he goes to his final form, and then they just shatter because JK about the last <laughs> 30 fucking minutes of exposition. So when that happened, I thought, oh, is there going to be a tragic moment where maybe the priest has to jump off the temple, right? Maybe she gets impaled by the swordsman, like by Saga, right? And be like this tragic ending where, well, she killed herself, right? And so therefore, that's how the uh, the sword's gonna lose its power, and that's how Luffy or Zoro, because Zoro hadn't shown up again at this point yet, someone will finish the job. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe that would have been the case because they brought up that that side B, that, that sorry plan B, but no, that whole purpose was so that if this ever turned into a video game, an RPG, that's your worst case scenario in case you fuck up options A, B, whatever. <laughs> that's what yeah. it felt like at the end of the day. So, 
<sighs> yeah, in case you haven't noticed, we are we are not a big fans of this movie because <laughs> just so because as previously things. stated, it sucks. It sucks quite hard, and not even in the personal sense of like, oh, Punk Hazard had potential to be good because I know Oda can do better than this. This is like, no, this sucks straight Act, up. <laughs> actually, just bad. Zoro is complete out of character. So, and um, then, like, basically this fight, like, Zoro, Luffy and him fight. Luffy gets his ass kicked. This is right after he already kicked Zoro's ass. It's not well, a great fight. It's, it's, it's not, a trade-off. Not a yeah, fight. it's a trade-off. So, Saga beats Luffy first, even though Luffy has no cuts, right? It's not even, like, in Topper's Kingdom where he gets impaled. It's not even, like, a Dead End Adventure where Gasparde is actually beating the shit out of him. And you hear that, you know, that tomato squash sound effect again when he's getting punched. Um, it's not even that. He's getting hit or thrown away a couple times, but then Luffy responds. Like, when Saga goes into Phase 2, and he's supposed to be a lot stronger, Luffy actually gets the upper hand. He takes the fight seriously, because I guess Saga is not strong. Yeah, Luffy and... didn't actually lose. He just stopped fighting him. Exactly! Because in second form, Luffy got the upper hand. He finally did other attacks than just his slower form of pistol and slower form of spear. He actually did Gatling, which also looked a bit awkward, but at least that was fast. Yeah. And he was landing blows. Zoro, after he got... So there was a segment we did cut across, but again, it doesn't really that matter. Zoro finally realizes Saga's corrupt and he's not really him. So, uh, Zoro loses that first fight, even though he was, you know he had his three swords and Saga had his powered up sword. Um, so he's trying to make his way back to this final fight arena. And then again, the orbs have the barrier back up. Maya's praying and the barrier's bright and pink and working. But then Saga absorbs the sword, and it's, like, tattooed on his chest. Oh, so he's, like, in his final form. <laughs> and he, instead of, yeah, so instead of a swordsman with a sword, it's like, oh, I'm literally one with a sword. Or, sorry, the sword has a host now, like a parasite. But instead of using, like, I don't know, like, like airbending movements to have, like, air slices, he kind of just has the force now. And it's not even that good. He pushes, like, Luffy around twice. Luffy gets a little mad, right? But then Luffy goes, no, remember, I'm on the cover too, Luffy. I have to do the final blow. And I go, well, at least there's that. Like, that was one of my problems with Chopper's Kingdom, right? right Chopper didn't do fine. the final move. Okay, sure. Zoro. It's got to be a cool fight. It was a oh. very underwhelming move, though. What are you talking about? Zoro gave him a sword. So it was a one-on-one. -on -one. You know, the three sword swordsmen with one sword fighting the one... Oh, yeah. uh -huh. Fighting the guy who's known for the seven-star sword. And they were fighting with two normal swords instead? You didn't like that? Yeah, it was lame. <laughs> I mean, there was that cool still image before they fought with the, the moon in the background before they fought. I'm just like, alright, that's kind of cool. That'd be a screensaver for never. But, you know, I at least I'm reminded of this movie. <laughs> exactly. I'm not taking screenshots. <laughs> Again, the attention of the animator, I guess, right? Where it's like, oh, it's going to be a, a good move for some people. That's going to be our new background for them. And it's just like, no, it's not. And there's a moment where they clash for a bit. Saga gets, I guess, distracted for a minute. And then Zoro's like, oh, I got, if you're my friend, I gotta, I forget what he says. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'll be it does. It really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Oh, he's fulfilling his promise that he would rescue a friend. Which I, which, you know, he thought he was doing the whole movie, but he was doing it terribly. But the movie thought telling us, reminding us now would have this impact of like yes that's been his goal since the beginning but it's like that wasn't his goal since the beginning because he had two completely different mindsets the first mindset he thought he was helping saga just get better and these orbs were the answer or some shit and now he's realized saga's corrupted but again the way it was presented made it seem like this was his goal from the very beginning and it just falls flat and then again zoro just swings his sword so hard that it cuts through the yeah. sword. Did it? That's... And how did it cure him? It just not cursed anymore. He cut through the tattoo of the yeah, sword. Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just the representation of the energy no, being the, inside of him. <laughs> no, you see, Justin, when the sword becomes part of the person, the sword loses its steel frame and becomes weak, <laughs> even though it's supposed <laughs> to make him stronger. Mm -hmm. So if you get a little boo boo across your chest from a regular ass sword, the evil goes away. And everything is solved forever. And the prophecy is no more because the sword doesn't exist. If only we knew I get that it part. Now. If only we knew that, <laughs> if only we knew that part of the exposition, maybe we would have tried that sooner. 
instead of going through all these endless cycles of the prophecy of like, oh, it's that easy? Let someone get corrupted then. Don't even kill that person. Just wound them. Who's the MVP of this movie? Um, Because I kind of feel, and this is, I guess you have to say Zoro, because if we're being honest, no one does anything in this fucking movie. To be fair, is Zoro even in this movie? Because that wasn't Zoro on screen. Like, I guess you could also potentially say Luffy because he, he recovered the aura, was brought him back, etc., etc. But that was ultimately I, pointless. So I, I'm gonna say Usopp because he had very little screen time and understood and kept away because he knew that the longer he was in this movie, <laughs> he stayed away. Yeah, he wasn't there for oh, the Lord good. dump. Remember, he wasn't there for the Lord dump. He was just in the tunnels with Luffy. He was still in the parts that felt most like One Piece. And Luffy was, like, half and half, right? Where he was in those fun parts, but he was also, unfortunately, fighting Saga. Yeah. And Usopp was luckily just doing his thing, which, I guess, sorry, movie version, where they make him funny and then hide in the background and not actually fight that much. Did Adventure did a good job with Usopp, but he still had that portion. Because, again, it's very early Usopp. But this movie is like, no, he runs with Luffy. And then when they actually have to secure the tower, he tells Robin to do all the work. And she does, because, again, these jobbers are nothing. She one-shots a Boo King in one hit or whatever. And, again, just so disappointing. But, yeah, my my answer is Usopp for MVP. He was the smart one. (laughs) I'll allow it. Uh, He just stayed out of it. Um, I think also the worst part of this movie is the very end, where, again, everything's back to normal. Saga is just better now and he's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i said in that flashback and be the sword of justice which by the way they never say exactly if that's like an ideology is that a job is that like greatest swordsman but with a different focus they never state exactly what that is right because Zoro's again i want to be the greatest swordsman in the world yeah it remains ambiguous the whole time like sword of justice are you trying to be right in from metal gear revengeance are you what are you trying to do I, i don't know but he stays on the island, and Maya's like, I got my hubby back, even though he tried to kill me multiple times. But I know it's a sword, and I'm completely fine with that. Um, but Sorry, the worst part of this movie is Zoro is back on the ship, and everyone is acting like, oh, he's just a little upset about what happened, but it's all fine. And I'm just thinking, I'm sure Water 7 happened already in the manga, right? With that whole sequence where Zoro is the character going, okay, we need to test Usopp's allegiance if he's going to come back, right? This is posting his lobby. Or to Robin, is she a friend or foe? None of the Straw Hats are doing that whatsoever. And they're just like, yeah, he's just the stoic swordsman. He's just off on the side. You know, he just did his thing. Sanji's just a little butthurt because he lost their duel. If you call it that. And there's never, like, any heart-to-heart where Zoro says, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I was a complete idiot this entire movie. No. It's just the hippo from earlier they landed on comes back and distracts any type of real talk they could have. And then the credits roll. They got their food, though. <laughs> it's This is bad, guys. It's, it's really bad. I, I feel like saying this sucks is actually an understatement, actually. <laughs> and I'm well aware that we've been ripping into this movie essentially for 53 minutes, but we're holding back. I'm, yeah. I'm containing myself. I. Well, I mean, if you want to let out now, would be a good time. No, no, I've said said enough. (laughs) (laughs) You got some curse words bubbling in, but you don't want to say them out kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's like a two out out of ten, man. You stole my score, you son of a bitch. And the two, (laughs) like the one two that it gets, is it's all Luffy and Usopp in the caves. I would say it's Luffy, Usopp in the caves. The color palette is bright and more pleasing to the eyes than the old hand-drawn. But the animation, the choreography, cinematography, pacing, backstory, character writing, direction, production, uh, almost everything else in this movie. I guess maybe not the voice acting from the Straw Hats, because they're still just them. But yeah, everything just brings this movie down. Where this is, I think, the first time, hopefully the only time, where I think both of us go, you should skip this movie. You're not missing anything <laughs> yeah it, it's it's not fun to watch it is absolutely not when i say this movie is like a deviant art fan fiction with a budget i mean it if you think this movie because you know if you look at the cover you see luffy in the middle with zoro and saga in the background you think oh it might be a zoro movie and you're right about that 
the writers make sure this is not Zoro. This is like this is Zolo. <laughs> this is the imposter <laughs> from uh this is Jeez. the imposter from uh the time skip beginning when they return to Shibodi. This is Zolo. <laughs> and my god, this is just almost offensive. If you're a fan of Zoro, you would n- you would hate this movie more. Like if you're Zoro's like your number one character easily of the Straw Hats, especially don't watch this movie. If you're a fan of Sanji, yeah, don't Zoro watch this fans movie. are gonna hate it. Sanji fans are gonna hate it. <laughs> Uh, fans of the other Straw Hats, because unfortunately they don't do much, will hate this movie because they don't do much. Uh, Luffy's fights are usually the highlight of any manga arc or even movie, even if the movie's poor. Even the Luffy fights aren't that good because the animation is still being... I'm, I'm giving the, the benefit of the doubt to the animators here. They were still figuring out new tech. Maybe it was some new guys they hired. Maybe some new director trying to out some new things. Unfortunately, it just didn't pay out. But Boy, I can't think of much positives in this movie. Um, oh, I guess there's one other tiny positive where, you know, the character Isaiah, is, Isaiah? is that her? The, the mentor, the old lady. Oh, the, the gag when she like extended her body. Yeah. So design wise, I was going to say, I wondered why is her staff so tall, so big, but she's so tiny. But then it's like, oh, because she's actually much taller. She's actually like a giraffe and just hiding her neck or whatever. So I thought, oh, that's kind of creative, all right? That's pretty cool. It was funny. It was a funny, shocking moment. The first time. Then the second time, they thought it'd be as funny. I'm just like, no, it's not as funny the second time. No. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm really bored at this point in the movie. <laughs> um, also, the fact that it came after Dead Adventure did not help at all. Yeah, that, that hurt it quite a bit. Yeah, if it came after Chopper's Kingdom, you can go, I guess they just don't have the movie formula figured out. They're just struggling still. But Dead and Adventure, they fucking nailed the fun factor, and they nailed the characters. So, I'm looking at this going, was that the exception? <laughs> Are all future movies at this point just going to be bad? Well, from well, what we I know, hear, that I ain't true. Yeah, I, from what I hear, and from what I've seen, actually, the answer is no. But at this point, if I was, you know, back in time and I just watched this movie, I'm just going, boy. <laughs> right. They lost all of it. This is a cash grab. I hate using that term, but I can't think of anything else for it. Um, I guess by our saga action figures where he's fighting Zoro with his, while he's holding the Holy Moonlight Sword, I guess. That's also the worst part, too, is that imagining the, the art director or even the creator, Miyazaki, from the Soulsborne series watching this movie going, this movie is sick. I'm going to use that sword in my games. I'm going to use the character with a busted sword, but using his offhand to fight as a boss in my game. <laughs> just go, and then use that <laughs> yeah. aesthetic for my Bloodborne game. Because he's like one of the, like the one of four people that love this movie, probably. Um, I actually don't know if there's a lot of people that like this movie or not, but it feels like it. Though that's part's weird, but... If you love this movie and they really want to tell you about <laughs> no. it, where, where can they tell you off? Tell and tell this. me off, because this movie is trash and so is your opinion if you like it. Uh, don't do this to me, Ricky Bobby. Uh, <laughs> I, I would actually be legitimately curious to hear p- from people who like this movie. Actually, yeah. If you can convince me why this movie is actually... You can't convince me, but I'm still curious to hear. Maybe you can convince me it's better than Chopper's Kingdom. Maybe you can convince me of that. Maybe I misunderstood something completely that's actually very deep and intricate that adds to the One Piece world. But it's gonna. I'm going to tell you, it's going to take a lot of effort. And me being drunk. But you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Miranda. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A. Or if you want to shit on the movie too and go, thank you. That movie is also worse than Chopper's Kingdom. I agree. We can get along so fine. (laughs) You can definitely Uh, hit me up for that. Also on Twitter at Jitsu. mm J-I-T-S-Z-U. You said this was a 2 out of 10, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my same score. Yeah, 2 out of 10. Also, if you want to leave us reviews on Spotify, iTunes, comments, reviews, five-star reviews, maybe even four-star. I don't know. Three-star really helps us out. <laughs> Just kidding. But, yeah, any feedback's appreciated. We uh, we know that going off on the movies is a little unexpected for some people take, listening in on this, but we do appreciate you guys sticking around and listening to all the episodes. And, again, any feedback's appreciated. Uh, anything else? Just that, although this is a 2 out of 10, I'm pretty sure next week is going to be much, much higher. Next week, 
Baron Omatsuri, baby, and the Secret Island. What One Piece talking movie about? six is what we will be what discussing. I'm excited for this one. I'm very excited. I don't know. I've seen the poster for that movie, Justin, and it looks like a Kirby video game. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a fan of the director of this movie. I've heard good things. I've also heard bad things, but I'm pretty sure it should be. It can't be worse than this one. I'm pretty sure. So it's already in good positioning. For those who don't know, I have seen the movie at this point. I'm putting on a bit. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> we will have to see next week, and so will you, listeners. Thanks again for sticking with us all the way to the end. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>